Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, and Nelly back with you again. Feels good to be back. I was on a uh, long work trip from Sunday through Thursday. Um, so Sunday and Thursday, both driving six hours. Not exactly what I want to do with a hangover, but... Uh, Glad we made it. Uh, glad we made it, made it back. Um, pretty happy to be back. Uh, mediocre Minnesota hate. Just so you guys know, um, I just know we're not that good. Um, <laughs> we're trying. We're, we're trying. trying to come up with something. Yeah, we're trying our hardest. <laughs> What's interesting is the Minnesota win loss is at seven and a half this year. And if I was a betting guy, I'd be taking the over. Knowing Ooh. their knowing their out of conference schedule, the hardest person in their out of conference is Colorado. Didn't so. they lose to Bowling Green last year out of conference? Okay, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went, why do we bring that up? Because <laughs> I wasn't there. Um, no, it, it. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Do you remember back in the day, Shane, when? Uh, Jerry Kill was the head coach for the Gophers. Yes, Jerry Kill. Um, guess who coaches the uh, first team coming to Minnesota on week one? No way. Jerry are... Kill, New Mexico yep. State. Wow. And guess who said that he would never step foot on the Minnesota campus ever again <laughs> after they fired Tracy Clays? Again, would be Jerry Kill. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is going to be one of the most fun games. That I hope I've you kill them. At. I do too. Because <laughs> they're not good. Yeah, they're not good. Um, so, so today we're going to be talking about, uh, we already did the Debbie landscape for both quarterbacks and running backs. Today we're going to be diving into wide receivers and potentially talking about a tight end or three, um, but not any more than three because not worth it. Um, did you just say five? Uh, maybe five. Like, Whoa. I think, you know, five. Maybe. That, maybe. That's wild. Um, but we'll we'll see when we get there. We'll see if we have enough time. If not, uh, we just won't do a show specifically about tight ends. So you can just keep, kind of basically put that one in the garbage. Um, but let's dr- let's dive right into the 2023 wide receivers. Now, we've heard some good things about these wide receivers. I'll, if you say you guys, um, if you've been watching college football over the past year or so, you saw a lot of these guys break out. Um, and hop onto the scene in a big way, right? First one that we saw started to break out his freshman year. It completely exploded his second year. Um, and that's obviously, Shane, I'm going to do it just for you at the Ohio State University. And that's Jackson Smith and the Jig. But now, is he easily the wide receiver one in this class for you guys? Yeah. 
I, I think I think it's a step after last year. He's a step above the rest. Uh, I think he's dead even with the other guy. I think it's I think it's pretty close. Smith and Jigba has that massive season, which is great for his analytical profile. Um, but that's solely because Butte has been hurt for part or for part of last year. He was on pace for a very similar season. And obviously the other guy, uh, Nelly mentioned is Keishon Butte, the wide receiver out of LSU, which you're going to see him at two a lot for, for quite a few people. Um, and basically those two being the top tier that you're going to see the wide receivers kind of going into the season. I personally would put one other wide receiver in that tier. And for me, that's Jordan Addison, the wide receiver at USC. I think Jordan Addison is a lot closer to wide receiver one than he is to wide receiver four. Um, Jordan Addison, just a really, really talented guy, obviously transferred from Pittsburgh to Southern Cal. Yeah, I, I, I think NFL teams might even like him more than Boutte just from a, you know, you know, making some incredible catches. I think he made Kenny Pickett in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think if he can go into Southern Cal and have that success with a different quarterback, different system, getting in late, uh, I mean, I, I think a top 15 pick is pretty likely for Jordan Addison in the NFL draft. And that means he's probably underrated right now on Debbie. Yeah, I really like Addison too. I do think that there is a situation where he slightly disappoints at USC. Not that he flops, but that he doesn't put up maybe a massive season like like we're expecting. He he was at Pitt and he was the guy at Pitt. USC has some talent there. Um and the ball could potentially get spread out. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if it did. Um, so I think for me, that change in situation, along with kind of the lack of pedigree that JSN and Butte had, I think they were both five-star recruits or or near to being five-star recruits. I think that keeps him from, from that top tier of two for me. Yeah, and I realize that this is the best wide receiver core that that a guy like Jordan Addison has ever played with. Right. Like we're, we're talking about Mario Williams, who came from Oklahoma, um, going to SC as well. Like and just some other guys that they have at SC much better than anything that, that Addison's ever played with, like by a wide, wide margin. Um, so that's something we had have to talk about. And we'll talk about that um, as the season starts as well. And we start to do some recaps of of uh, some offseason moves. And then the other guy that that Shane is probably higher, a little higher on than the other two of us, and that's uh, Quentin Johnston coming out of TCU. Now, probably the biggest wide receiver that you're going to kind of see kind of ranked higher in this class so far. He's 6'4", about 193. So, Shane, what? why are you liking Quentin Johnston right now, and why do you think he deserves to be in that top four? I, I just think that size-wise, you know, size-speed combo, there's a lot that Quinn Johnson brings to the table. I think if he was playing at any of those other three schools that we talked about, if he's playing at LSU or Ohio State or even Pitt, I think he's in that top tier. But, I mean, TCU's offense was just so up and down. But at some of those games where he, he could just dominate and take over, he's open – Often he can go down the field. Like I think he's going to have a great combine. I think he's going to have a great process that's going to push him up into the first round. And I think he has that alpha ability um, as much as you know anyone. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bit higher on him. 
he could be that guy that in a year I'm like, whoops, you know, really wrong. Like he stunk this year, like uh, more so than the other three. But I also think he could be that player that we're talking about goes 20 to 25 in the first round. And now you got a guy that's six, four, apparently he's, he might've even bulked up too a little bit. Um, You know, we'll see this season weight wise be really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan too. Actually, I have him pretty, pretty equal with Addison. I think they're pretty close for three and four and they're both on their own in that second tier. I always, I think it's pretty crazy when you see someone who's six, three, six, four, who's getting scheme uh, screen passes in their team's offense. And, and he's been successful with them. That, that speaks to the fact that he's a special athlete and he's produced as it too. Like his raw numbers haven't been great, but that's because TCU's offense has been poor. Um, so with the increase in volume this year, I think his raw volume will go up. Now, I do think people will be scared off by a TCU wide receiver. Like the past two, we've had we've had Jalen Rager um, and, and who was before him, Josh Doxson. They both flopped. They were first-round wide receivers. They flopped. Now, I don't think that'll keep the NFL away, but it might keep people away like next year in rookie drafts. So it could provide value, but I don't think that's anything to be scared off of. I just think it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, and then we kind of get into this next range of wide receivers, right? We're just kind of waiting for someone to kind of make that big move up. So I'm going to just list off a bunch of guys here, and you guys just pick out your favorite one. Um, So we're going to start with kind of the Debbie names that aren't as much. Some are CFF names, um, but we definitely have a crop of CFF guys in here as well. You end up with guys like Josh Downs at UNC, Jermaine Burton at Alabama, Parker Washington at Penn State, Marvin Mims at Oklahoma, Raheem Jarrett and Dante Demas Jr., both at Maryland, Jalen McMillan at Washington, Zay Flowers at Boston College, Kanata Mumfield at Pitt, Jalen Cropper, Fresno State, Anaya Smith at Texas A&M, A.T. Perry at Wake Forest. Like, there's just a lot of guys. And just for Nelly, I'll say Jacob Cowing at Arizona, just just because I know Nelly loves Jacob Cowing. Um, but, like, pick one out of those. Who do you think is actually going to rise and separate themselves, Shane, in this draft process? It's, it's a good question. I like, I think Josh Downs is probably a step above that, the rest of that group right now, just even, but he's probably purely a slot, you know, very small guy. Um, I actually think, I think A.T. Perry is actually a really interesting player, right? Had a lot of production there as a freshman, you know, he's, he's hitting, and kind of that big six, five over 200 pounds, you know, he's just very different. I would even toss Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, both CFF college fantasy football producers. But uh, I think both those players are a little better NFL wise than maybe they're getting credit for. So I think if you want to, who's going to break out this year, I, I think AT Perry could be that guy for wake and get a lot more, you know, kind of credit. How about you now? I'll elaborate a little bit more on Josh Downs because I think he's he's my favorite out of this group. And Chin mentioned it as well. I do think he's a tier above everyone else. I just I understand the size concerns. You know, he's 5'10, 180, so he's small, but he's not tiny. And he's a speed guy. So that's kind of like it pretty similar build to like Jalen Waddle last year. A co- that would have been last year. Um, the NFL has like not been scared off of these small and fast guys. And I just think his it's hard to understate how good his, his last season was. Um, he had the highest yards per team pass attempt in, in 
this class last year. Uh, it was over 3.5 yards per team pass attempt, which is which is nuts. That's that's pretty unheard of. So he's just he's very talented. Like for someone that's going to separate themselves, I'll take the really really easy one. Jermaine Burton at Alabama. Like, who else is Bryce Young going to throw the ball to, right? There's not many super great weapons that, right, we, we're waiting for some of these freshmen to separate themselves last season, right? Never happened. McGee Hall transfers, right? So he's out of there. They bring in some other freshmen. They bring in quite a few freshmen wide receivers, some athletes, some wide receivers purely. Uh, and then they bring in a guy like Jermaine Burton. Now, you could make the case that Jermaine Burton shouldn't maybe be on the outside a little bit more, but I think Alabama does a really good job of mixing in who's in the slot and who's outside just so they get different looks and coverages uh, from the defense that they're facing. So I think Jermaine Burton, it's going to be a pass happy team. Um, especially when you have a running back that can catch passes better than they've had anyone be able to catch passes in a long time. Um, I, I think Jermaine Burton is, is in for, over a hundred catches this season at Alabama. He's just really, really I, it's good. Fair, at and if he does that, like he's probably going to be a first round pick, right? <laughs> like if you're an Alabama yeah. receiver at that production, you will be. So, and I think you could make the case at that point, right? Should Jermaine Burton be a top four wide receiver? Well, if he's having that production at Alabama, facing good SEC cornerbacks and defenses, well, then yeah, he he has to be in that conversation, right? Um, so that's someone that I'm I'm looking at here. Um, give me one guy. It can be deep down the list. It can be anywhere, but give me one guy, Shane, that you think is really going to rise either in CFF or throughout this, this Debbie process. Um, you know, not, not to kind of beat on similar names. I definitely have in the past, um, in my, you know, buy sell segments, but, uh, I, I do think Antoine Wells at, at South Carolina is going to be a riser this year. I think he's going to be that wide receiver one for them. Um, so I like him. And I'll see the other guy who I think has been a, a Debbie pick at times is Jaden Reed from Michigan state. Um, he's kind of their like alpha receivers had really good production. I think Michigan state's offense will be more, a little more pass heavy this season. So I think he's a player that maybe we're talking about as a top 100 pick by the end of the process. How about you, Nelly? Yeah, give me Zay Flowers at Boston College. Now, he's a senior, which is a, a slight red flag, but once you get into the non-premier guys, you kind of have to deal with that. And he's, he's around for his fourth year with uh, with Phil Jerkovich. Those two have just worked really well together, and that's why he had a bit of a quiet year last year with Jerkovich being hurt. But his analytical profile looks great. He's He's been electric in the return game, which is always a good sign. Uh, I think he's a day-two guy next year. So the first guy I need to talk about is Tyler Hudson going to Louisville. Now, obviously, he's coming from an FCS program. So just last season at Central Arkansas, had over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Now going to Louisville to a spot that is going to have to pass the ball in, in, able to, in order to score, right? They have to score because their defense is atrocious. Probably the worst defense in all the ACC. Uh, I don't think that's a that's a bold move to say. Um, so I think he's someone that we have to watch because I think he's really gonna gonna do well and he's really really fast. So make sure we watch that. Second guy um, is someone that we definitely talk about for CFF purposes a lot. But remember, CFF wide receivers that have good size and solid production 
and then are, end up testing pretty well can get some solid draft capital. Um, and I think one of those people is Zakari Franklin at UTSA. Um, it's clear that he's going to have a huge season this year. Like he's going to be really, really good. Um, so the question is, how well is he going to test? I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if, if we're able to take that shot now, I think Zakari Franklin is someone that, that uh, I think should be in for a really good season and, and hopefully does a little better. Now, I, I think you can make the argument that like he doesn't have like true breakaway speed, right? That he isn't an absolute burner. But if you give me at that 6-1 size, if you even give me four fives, anywhere in the four fives, I'll take it. Yeah, I actually I think Scarlett Frank is an interesting an interesting player who could have an NFL role in the future. So I like that pick for it's pretty deep, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna produce this year, so I like it. Well, let's just slide over to the twenty four class here. Um twenty four wide receivers, you know, we've seen two and a half of them <laughs> tough. do well. Well, Two and one game. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think that's probably a better way to put it. You have the really, really good one in Xavier Worthy at Texas. Right. He's clearly the wide receiver one for most people. Um, And I think you're going to hear most often at two is probably Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. Uh, After a tremendous Rose Bowl game facing uh, cornerbacks that hadn't played cornerbacks since about seventh grade that that uh, they happen to throw in there. Um, but he's a really good wide receiver and a great recruit as well. Um, kind of that third guy that I feel like doesn't get as much recognition as these two guys is Mario Williams at USC. Like We obviously saw the production at Oklahoma and that he was the best wide receiver on that Oklahoma team. He transfers with Lincoln Riley uh, to Oklahoma. And I think you got to be looking, for, or excuse me, transfers to USC from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. And I think you you got to be looking for Another solid season, even though they did add Jordan Addison this offseason. But out of those three guys, who who do you feel most comfortable with um, kind of going into the season? And who are you actually taking between Harrison Jr. and Williams, Shane? I think I think I feel more comfortable with Worthy, obviously, because he has Quinn Ewers. He is the number one. He's staying in the same offense. Um but I think Harrison Jr. and Mario Williams both have big upside, both at a high state in Southern Cal with two good quarterbacks as well. I, I think I, – I don't know why for me Mario Williams doesn't feel exciting. It doesn't feel like he's ever going to be dominant. He's going to be this, like, great receiver. And, and maybe at SC now with Lincoln Riley moving there, like, there'll be a lot of passes coming his way. But with Addison, with, you know, um, a lot of the, the transfers that have gone there – I just don't know if Marvin Williams is ever going to be that great. I'll, I'll take the chance on Marvin Harrison. I do think his hype's a little overblown because he had one, you know, one game, and you still have like Amika Buka uh, there at Ohio State, who's also going to start. Like, where's this production kind of shifting? So I think Worthy's going to continue to dominate. I think the other two might be a little more hit or miss this season. So Nelly, quick, we got to talk about the size of Xavier Worthy, right? have to talk about that as being a concern like analytically do we have anyone else that kind of fits this profile of six one of being tall but incredibly skinny at 160 pounds yeah i mean Devonte smith is kind of is kind of our test case uh, and we just dealt with this in his draft process of 
not really having any good test cases for him. Um, it's tough. Uh, but while it kind of, from an intuitive perspective, it's like, well, that weight being low is scary. We don't have any like mathematical proof that the low weight is is a big red flag. It's more of because we don't have a good sample size of guys who have been that weight before at their at their level of pedigree or, uh, or draft capital, we have no definitive conclusion to draw. Uh, so they're kind of forging their own path. It's a big question mark rather than a red flag. But uh, don't get me wrong, I'd prefer it for him to be like 190 pounds, 200 pounds, because then we would have samples to draw from. Shane, NFL draft wise, are you worried about that that size at all, or just it is what it is? I'm not too worried. As Nelly said before, I think teams are trending smaller, faster. Uh, I imagine Worthy will bulk up at some point a little bit. You know, it may not be to 190, but if he, you know if he's going to come in at 175, I think then you feel more comfortable. So I'm not too worried about it, but I do think it it is. If, if Marvin Harrison or even Mario Williams um, flash that dominance, I think teams could take them over Xavier Worthy. Uh, like we saw what happened with Devonta Smith, it could happen. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's get into the rest of these names because after those three, not much. We, are, we are just shooting dice at this point. We do not know what's going to come up. And So I'm just going to sh- throw out a bunch of names. I'm, I'm going to throw up maybe the next, I don't know, probably six, eight names that I have on my list. And you guys let me know if you, if you got someone in there that, that you feel strongly about. Um, so we have Jojo Earl at Alabama, Troy Franklin at Oregon, Emeka Buka at Ohio State, Ja'Cory Brooks at Alabama, Dakari Collins at Clemson, Bo Collins at Clemson. Um, then let's throw in like Deion Colsey at Notre Dame. Do we feel good about like any of them or are there just so many red flags with the rest of this wide receiver class because they only have had one season to perform so far. I just can't feel comfortable with any of <laughs> like any of those players, right? Because it's even, you know, I would say, oh, the Alabama guys, you know, JoJo Earl flashed a little bit last year. Ja'Cory Brooks maybe, you know, maybe flashed a little bit. They were high recruits. But then Alabama's bringing in Jermaine Burton, who we talked about. They're bringing in Tyler Harrell from Louisville, who can run a 4-2. Like, are these guys going to play? They probably aren't going to play again. And now now we're talking about their declaring season, and they haven't played at all. Like, that, that's what makes it tough for me. I, I think probably of that group, I feel most comfortable with Troy Franklin at Oregon. Um, now that they are shifting head coaches, shifting schemes, but he has the height. He has the length. I think he has a lot of what you look for as a primary wide receiver. One um, Oregon, you know, lost their top receiving threat um, for, from last year in Devin Williams and Johnny Johnson. So I think Troy Franklin could take over that and be put himself in that top three uh, by the end of this season. How about you, Nelly? Yeah, I agree with Shane in the fact that, like, there's just so many question marks with all these guys. Like, I know some will break out. It's just it's a matter of who, and they're not all going to. And this second year is massive for these guys since they didn't have big first years. Like, analytically, if you haven't if you haven't done anything by the end of year two, you're you're pretty toast. Um, I, I'm going to go with a name you didn't say. Actually, I, I really like Lorenzo Styles at Notre Dame. He's He's like a he's a route running technician with some speed, but he's got decent size too. I th- he's uh 
He's six foot one, 195. So he's like that perfect wide receiver mold. And I think he's going to be the wide receiver one there this year. Uh, and their backfield's really beaten up. So I think they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think he's a type of guy who's going to get, uh, I don't know, 25% of the passing offense. Michael Myers, Michael Mayer is going to be the main guy there, but I think he'll be the number two. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, Shane, right? We, we want to believe in these Alabama guys that are going to take this big step forward. But when you repeatedly see Nick Saban bring in other wide receivers, you're like, so what was happening at practice, right? What was happening in these practices that, that warranted uh, these wide receivers to, to transfer in? Um, so that's something that we're going to have to watch. Some, some other names that I, I didn't mention that, that I like quite a bit. First one is Ketron Jackson out of Arkansas. I think you're someone has to step into that very large hole that uh, Traylon Burks left. Um, and that size and speed of, of Jackson, I think, would fit nicely with, with exactly what Burks was doing. Um, so that's definitely someone that I would bring up that we kind of got to watch. A whole team that I think we need to watch is Miami. When it comes to this, this draft class, um, Miami could have three really, really good wide receivers. They could also pull a Florida and have three wide receivers get 400 yards. Right? Like, so we'll, we'll make sure to check that one out. But some of those Miami guys, um, you have a guy like Jacoby George, you have Romello Brinson, you have Brashard Smith, um, all can do relatively similar things. Right? They all kind of fit that same mold almost. Um, so it's curious to see how that's how that's going to work out because they're all incredibly fast players too and some they just vary in size <laughs> is really the difference right you have Jacoby George at 5'11 160 ish Romello Brinson 6'2 180 and Brashard Smith 5'8 190 so it's just it's going to be a real crapshoot but other than those guys is there anything else that we need to bring up with this wide receiver class of 2024 I actually I don't think so like if you would have been like give me a sleeper and I'd be like, I I don't know. You know, like I'm just picking a name that I liked out of high school. I I think pass uh, on this class for now. And I really don't think we're going to have many of these guys break out. I don't think it's going to look loaded in a year because there's so many receiving groups that are just older transfers, all that. Yeah. This group really kind of got screwed over by COVID and all the upperclassmen sticking around. It's, it was, it was made that much harder for these guys to break out early. And maybe that's a lack of talent. Like that could just be coincidental, but it also could be situational there. Um, I'll, I'll throw out, I really like Jaden Bray. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me talk about him every other week. Um, another Malik neighbors at LSU had a pretty solid freshman year considering that wide receiver room and Dijon Stribling at Washington state's the last guy that I think's worth mentioning just because I think he's going to produce a ton. Yeah. So let's just dive into this 2025 class. I think, you know, we have three five-star guys coming in, right? Uh, the first being Luther burden going to Mizzou, we had Evan Stewart, who I like quite a bit. Uh, going to Texas A&M, and then you have Chris Marshall uh, also going to A&M. So, so out of those three guys, if you got to hang your cap on one of them, who are you going with, Shane? I, I like Evan Stewart. I, I know I feel like all three of us are pretty good, big fans of his, but I think watching him, he has the most 
dominant ability. I think he's the most polished in terms of a receiver who can go up and get passes that adjusts in routes. I think he's the best route runner. Um, and so I like him going to Texas A&M I mean, as they continue to build their program and bring in these higher end recruits. You know, I, hopefully we get to see a little bit of early use of him. I don't know if we will, but I think Evan Stewart has the most natural talent to me that would translate to the, the NFL level. How about you, Nilly? Yeah, I'll go with Luther Burden. I think he's the number one just because situationally he's he's very easily already the number one at Missouri. I think talent-wise, it's it's a top two of him and Stewart, but I, there are questions out there whether it's fair or not about, about Jimbo at Texas A&M giving his guys or letting his guys get early playing time. Uh, and there's just no questions with that, with, with Luther Burden at Missouri. Like, he was already featured in their spring game. He, he was – he was getting thrown the ball whenever they could. So I think his numbers are just going to be massive right from the get-go. So here's uh, here's my take on these three guys. I think Evan Stewart right now is the most talented of the three. I think it's clear that Luther Burden probably has the best shot, like Nelly said, to play right away and to actually put up those stats that we want him to, right? But if we're looking down the line, the 2025 NFL draft, and if Chris Marshall was drafted ahead of Evan Stewart and Luther Burden, wouldn't surprise me at all. It would it, like it, it wouldn't happen, surprise yeah. me at all. You got a guy that hasn't played football that much. He's relatively new to football. He's you know he has good size, six three, one ninety five. Um, got a whole lot faster his senior year. Like I I think he could truly be someone that's drafted even though he in the first round, even though he doesn't have great stats because just the size speed combo, I think is just going to be too difficult for teams to pass up. Yeah. He only started playing football his junior year of high school. So he's, he's super raw, but the talent is undeniable. Like it's, it's crazy to play for two years and to be the number three wide receiver overall and be a five-star with a 9885 composite. Like I, that's crazy. He's clearly incredibly athletic. That's the first thing that you got to take away from all this. Um, but do we want to try and pick some sleepers in this 2025 class? Yeah, look, I think we can go around the horn and you pick got one. one. Yeah, I mean that's fine. Like I I really like, and it's another guy that I think could have an early opportunity because he's going to a lesser school, but I I really like Matthew Golden from Houston, um, who's kind of – he's getting hyped up. He's been moving up, I think, in a lot of Debbie and C2C circles um, because of that early opportunity at Houston. But, you know, watching him, if you had told me that he was going to Alabama or Clemson, I wouldn't have poo-pooed that. I think he has that kind of talent. Um, and so maybe, you know, for – for the the Nelly analytics over there, if he has his breakout freshman season, perhaps Matthew Golden can kind of get on that radar pretty early. Yeah, I think on my end, I mean, I'm something I found uh, a bit of a trend is these players out of these players out of Texas, if they're pretty prolific in 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 high school and high competition levels in Texas, they're probably pretty good football players. And so one of the guys that cat, uh, that falls in that category is Jordan Hudson going to TCU. Uh, he, he's a high four star. He's six, one, one eighty. 
He should see the field early at TCU. They have they have very little behind Quentin Johnston. And as we were talking about, it's going to be high volume. And even though they haven't worked out, they have put first rounders into the NFL. So I think it's a pretty good mix all around there. Well, I guess I'll just take the the pretty low hanging or the yeah, the easy pick. Uh Tetaroa McMillan going to Arizona. Like I think he's gonna be an absolute stud provided that Arizona can have anyone throw the ball. Um, I, I, you know, I think you're coming in 6'4", 185. Um, he is just really good, right? His vertical is going to uh, just be absolutely crazy. Uh, he might not be a first-round pick just because we're going to probably get worse production out of him than a guy like Chris Marshall potentially. Uh, but just a really, really good player. And I think you're in for something special if Arizona can start to pull this program together. I, I think, That's I think what it's I got. Fair. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fair. I think he's a good pick. All right, Shane, you want to teach us something? Yes, I, I do. This one, this one's a little, little off the wall. Uh, might, might take me a little bit, but I, I heard, I, Saw the story today. I was like, I have to tell this on the podcast. Uh, Kane, are you a fan of, of the movie Forrest Gump? You, yes, yeah. I, I, I'm a, obviously a history guy, like, right? Like, I like it because Forrest Gump goes through all the different Vietnam and Watergate and meets all the presidents, right? Um, one of the biggest movies when it came out, and so the uh, the it was actually a book first and the author of the book, Winston Groom got $350,000, you know, for the movie, but he was also promised 3% of the total net profits. Now the movie made $600 million, uh, which would be about a billion dollars today. But on paper, it lost money. This is called Hollywood accounting. Every movie loses money. So they don't have to pay that 3%. Uh, Star Wars lost money. All the Lord of the Rings movies, they all lost money technically on paper. So they don't have to pay out money, right? And so Winston Groom was like, he was pissed. So he he was going to take them to court and he wanted his money. Like, this is the most successful movie ever at that, you know, for that time. And so they, Paramount Pictures, they wanted to hush hush it. And so um, they made, they made a settlement. Part of the agreement was that they would pay over a million dollars, a seven figure sum. He was writing a set, a sequel to the rights to that film. Right. And so he like hates Paramount pictures at this point. So, you know, what do you do if you hate them and they're buying the rights to this film, uh, to, you know, to this book, he basically wrote a book to make the worst movie ever. Um, and that's what happened. Like the opening line of the sequel Gump and co is don't let nobody, make a movie of your life story. And through, throughout the book basically just puts like Forrest Gump in the craziest situations. And the first book was pretty crazy uh, for that. They things they cut from the movie, Forrest Gump going to space. Forrest Gump was actually supposed to be a giant. Um, so groom like made this sequel immediately. It takes place right after the first book. Immediately he goes bankrupt and becomes a janitor at a strip club. Cause he's like, they're not going to put a strip club in this movie. Um, he dances with Princess Diana. He actually fights in the Gulf War, so 20 years after Vietnam, with an orangutan that he met from in space. 
in, in the sequel. Um, he invents new Coke. He ends up wide, riding in the white Bronco with OJ Simpson in the OJ Simpson chase. And uh, that he actually meets, Forrest Gump meets Tom Hanks in the second book. So that way Tom Hanks would have to play himself and Forrest Gump at the same time. Basically trash talk, Forrest Gump trash talk Tom Hanks playing him in the film. Um, and despite all of this, Paramount Pictures was going to make this movie. They were going to include all these things and make this movie because they paid so much for the rights to it. And so they wrote a screenplay and um, the, the, the final kind of historical thing that happened in the, the, the second book was that uh, Forrest Gump mistakenly caused the Oklahoma City bombing terrorist attack to happen, right? And this screenplay got put on the desk of executives of Paramount Pictures on September 10th, 2001. The next day was 9-11 and that killed the film. And that's why Forrest Gump 2 was never made. And Winston Groom got, got back at Paramount Pictures. What a roller coaster you just sent us. <laughs> I, I saw, I was like this, I feel like there are some listeners that would appreciate that. It's just wild. And and Kane being an English guy, this author just like sticking it to this. I love that. The company is great. I love that. Let's just dive right into the buys and sells here. I'm going to go first. Um, we mentioned it earlier. I'm specifically going after Jordan Addison, the wide receiver here. Right, transfer to USC. I think he's much closer to wide receiver one than he is wide receiver four. I think he's just a really, really good, talented player. And I think Nelly's right that we might not see the, this like huge production um, again out of out of uh, Addison going to going to SC. But I think the NFL is really going to like him because he's going to be able to do everything on the football field. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy him. One player that I'm selling um i i have to sell marvin harrison jr i think i think it's at the point where like his value is just so high at this point that that if egbuka plays over him that his value tanks you know what i mean and there's a chance that egbuka is more productive than marvin harrison jr this coming season for ohio state so i think that's something that we have to mention um Someone I'm just unsure about. Uh, I'm just going to go for the the whole of the LSU wide receivers. Like, who's going to actually perform well? And will we actually get someone other than Boutte to perform well? And will Keishan Boutte be back to, you know, his his strength? I think there's a lot of questions on just what the LSU team is going to be like this year. And I think it a lot of it starts with what is that wide receiver room going to, going to be, and I think there's even question marks of who the quarterback's going to be. So I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff up in the air with LSU, and if they're not that productive, I think you end up seeing Keishan Butte drop a little bit um, in the NFL draft. Might not be in Debbie in the Debbie circles, but in in the NFL, I think he's going to drop. No, I think it's a good point. Like that could realistically happen people would be upset um my buy i i kind of hit on one of the players here before is the south carolina offense which is weird to say ever uh but you know i'm I'm going through film i'm working on the draft countdown relaunch watching film and uh, you know i mentioned antoine wells their transfer from james madison i like a lot he's right now my wide receiver 18 for 2023 class josh van um their leading receiver last year 
comes in a wide receiver 22. And Corey Rucker, one of Kane's favorites, who transferred in from Arkansas State, he's 31. They actually have the highest three receivers ranked in my 23 ranking. Spencer Rattler coming in, um, I, I think, is really intriguing. And they have like a, a backfield that is super interesting with Marshawn Lloyd, uh, who was you know, a high recruit that we're kind of waiting for, Christian Beal-Smith. And Rashad Amos, Juju McDowell. I think I think South Carolina could be a really good offense this year and could be worth buying into. So worth trying. Um, my sell is Chris Rodriguez, uh, running back for Kentucky. Uh, he's practicing with the team. There, there was some. I, I think he got he got arrested right for a DUI back in May. Um, and it, it seems like there's some hype still building around his talent. I, I just, I don't think Kentucky's going to be as good. And I think you can even split a little bit. Like I think in general, I'm not a big Will Levis guy. I, I think it might not be quite as lucrative and he could kind of fall back. And then my unknown, um, you know, we did the quarterback show weeks back, but it, it just the young quarterbacks, I just don't know when any of these guys are going to play. Like we talked about with the receivers, a lot of them got screwed in the 24 class and well in the 25 class. I think quarterbacks the same way, you know, when I'm not sure what fresh, true freshman quarterback we even see uh, this season. Like it's going to take an injury. No one's probably going to win a job. Uh, it's just not going to happen, let alone the second year quarterbacks. Um, there's, there's still a lot of players that are going to be sitting behind starters or you know guys like drake may north carolina might not win the job like i just think young quarterbacks man it's going to be really tough to evaluate and i just don't know if i should take a chance or not nelly how about you yeah i'm buying miles price now this is more more of a name known in c2c circles he's a wide receiver at texas tech there's an expectation that he's gonna have a massive season there and and so I think in Debbie circles, if that's the expectation, like I think that gets him on on the radar for NFL circles as well. If if the expectation is this high for him in terms of raw production this year, I think it'll be hard to ignore. And it's not as if he hasn't had prolific first two seasons, but he's been solid. He had 500 yards last year. Um, so he's a slot guy. Like he's not like an alpha NFL wide receiver, but I do think he's an NFL player in the future if he if he produces like expected. Um, I'm selling Rakeem Jarrett, a name you mentioned earlier, uh, third year, similar to miles price third year is make or break for these wide receivers that haven't fully exploded yet. And I just don't see it happening with Jarrett. Uh, Dante Demas is still the wide receiver one there, assuming he's fully healthy, healthy. Uh, they brought in Jacob Copeland from Florida as well, who was a high recruit. And he just really hasn't shown a level of dominance that you really need to see considering he's playing at Maryland. Um, so I'm selling him on the fact that he was a five-star and I think you're still able to get value for him for that. Uh, my unknown is kind of in, in the spectrum of those two guys. It's Marvin Mims. Uh, I think he's probably in for, for his best year to date, um, as he becomes a full-time player without Lincoln Riley, but he's a smaller guy who isn't fast. So, like, I don't know how well that skill set translates to the NFL as well. So, like, his his price has dropped a, a lot. Like, last year he was a second, third-round Debbie pick. He's nowhere near that now. Um, so I might be in on him at cost, but I'm also still cautious with him because I don't know what, what that skill set gets him. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. But that is it for us here at the Devi Marketplace. Make sure you join the Discord. It's entirely free to join, so make sure you join that. And you can even vote on who had the best sauce draft in our Secret Chopper pod. So make sure you go over there and check that out because Nelly's clearly losing. Um, so make sure you go and check that out. But from all of us here at the Devi Marketplace, we just want to thank you. We just want to say thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate every single one of you. <laughs>